3 a.m. Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. This is Tony from Green Bay coming to you live from the Princess Weekend Meetup, and you're listening to the Rise and Run podcast. Tony, thanks, buddy. We appreciate the intro. You guys know Tony, right? Hollywood. <laughs> He's the best. Did we talk to his agent? Oh, golly. I didn't think about that. We may we may have to pay royalties on that one. Either uh, that or let's hope we can get residuals from it. That'd be nice. I haven't checked. I hope we see Tony at springtime. I, I could look that up. but uh, No, Tony, uh, Tony no? is not joining us for his springtime. No. No, that's too bad. Well, th- Tony, thanks for joining us for the intro. We appreciate it very much. Hey, my friends. Great to have you here. Welcome to episode 79 of the Rise and Run podcast. We are so happy that you're joining us. I'm Bob. I am here this evening with Allie. Hi, friends. With Greg. Hey, hey, hey. With John. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good, John. Thank you. Thank you for asking. And because we're just a little short-staffed tonight, we have a special guest. You know her. You love her. You drop by her fluffy fizzies booth when you get to the expo. Welcome, Pam. Thanks for joining us. I think I am way too excited to be here tonight. Ah, well, we're, we're glad you're here. But Pam and I have been friends since as long as I've been doing Run Disney. And I don't know how that, I don't know how that started. I don't know how it started, but I know it's been since about 2016. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. I don't know how it started, but I'm glad it did. It's it's always fun. I always look forward to the booth. I leave the booth with glitter on my face, and my and my wife doesn't even bat an eye. She knows right where it came from, so that's all good. Well, we're going to have Pam with us throughout the show. We're going to give her a chance to talk about Fluffy Fizzies a little bit, but she's going to stay with us for the entire episode. So thanks for doing that, Pam. We appreciate you spending some time with us. Our guest tonight, we're talking with our friend Meredith who completed the Tokyo Marathon recently, which is pretty cool unto itself. But in addition, this was Meredith's sixth star. So she completed all of the majors when she finished Tokyo. We hope you'll enjoy our conversation with Meredith coming up in just a little bit. On our race report spotlight, our buddy Nikki did one of them runs over in central Pennsylvania we all, we had a good time talking with Nikki. Friends, two, count them, two short weeks to go till springtime surprise is upon us. I hope your training is going well. We'll We'll talk about our training in just a minute, but let's take a look at what the long runs are for this weekend. And this is completely typical for one of Mr. Galloway's training pl- programs. If you are doing the 5K, your long run this weekend is 3.5 miles. If you're doing the 10K, it's six and a half. And if you're doing the 10 miler, it's 11 miles. I have no doubt you noticed that all three of those distances are longer than the race distances. And Jeff does that for a reason. He does it to build confidence. And he has also, through 
hundreds of thousands of runners over the time. Hundreds of thousands, maybe you'd be a little high, but tens of thousands for sure, probably at least 100,000, uh, has learned that by stretching it out that extra distance will actually help you run your distance just a little faster. And it is helpful. And I know that I've used it many times and found that it works. For the springtime surprise, we always hope we have the guide ready before a show, but it never happens. And we're not surprised. We do expect the race guide to be available soon, maybe even not long after this broadcast there. So maybe later this week, we'll have the race guide. Give us something to talk about next week. Remind you here, and I'll probably remind you again at the end, we have a meetup scheduled. The meetup is scheduled for Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. in Disney Springs in the food truck area, which we found to be a nice place. And we always get together pre-race in the staging area. If you're looking at the stage, you'll see some bleachers in front of the stage. Looking at the stage from the bleachers, we're typically on the left-hand side. Look for Allie. She's easy to find. I'm always late. That's how you can that's, find that's me. That's right. That's right. She is. <laughs> and don't look for Allie. I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. So we look, we hope to see you there. We really, really look forward to it. Now, don't forget the roll calls coming up too. If you don't have your name on the race report yet, and even if you think you do, just double check to make sure it's there. If you're not sure how to do that, I'm going to cover that again before we do the race report tonight. I know we have new listeners and not everyone may be aware of how to get their name into the race report. But we got the roll call. That's always fun. Hey, if you like the show, remember to look for us on Facebook. Our Facebook group is Rise and Run Podcast. And on Instagram, we're Rise and Run Pod. Our webpage is riseandrunpodcast.com. I did something earlier today, and I love the reaction from, from you, my friends. I love the reaction that we get. Our friend Amy in England is running Berlin, and she asked if we could start a Berlin chat group. Well, of course, that's easy. It's free, and it's fun. So I started one this morning. Now, we only have four names on the race report for Berlin at this time. If you're running Berlin, go look for the chat group or add your name to our list also. But even with just four names on there, I was at customized training this morning and I was getting so many notifications of people who were in this new chat group that it actually made me laugh. So that was really cool. Okay. Hey guys, gang, how's your training going for springtime? Let's see. Greg's running, Allie's running, Pam's running. How's it going? My training's okay. I um, unfortunately hit a bit of a snag, came off the injury, went out for a run did really, really well with it. And then my daughter decided to give me whatever virus was going through her kindergarten class. Jesus. Uh, I know. Really and then is. and then it hit my wife Thoughtful. as well, too. Yeah. So we've just been down and out for the count for the last week and a half. Um, but this past weekend, I was on a work trip uh, down to Austin, Texas. Actually got to see our good friend Kristen uh, running in makeup. Uh, so it was, it was really nice to, to get in chat with her outside of a run Disney Corral and everything like that. <laughs> 
Um, but while I was down there, I got to go on a run. Uh, you know, unfortunately, oh, w- with my my schedule, I was only able to get in four miles, but felt good, and I got the blessing from Coach Twiggs that I, I'm not hurting myself for springtime surprise. So good. E- even though it's been a, a rough March, um, so far so good. Good deal. Allie, how about you? I'm doing good. Um, I am doing a lot of walking. I'm not running that's right it. now. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but I'm skiing like two days a week and I'm doing well, aerial and I'm doing roll. I'm just doing a lot of roller skating. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like my cardio is still there, but I haven't done any like running, running or any speed work or anything, but I feel like that's fine. Cause this is, this race is not about speed for me. This no. one is about just like having fun with my friends. It's my yes. birthday weekend. So yes. I'm just, I'm just excited to finish up the run Disney season and then take one giant mega medal picture with like all of the medals. <laughs> I'm excited about it too. You earned them all this year, didn't you? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I did. I mean, besides the, what's the one where you get, go on the cruise, the castaway challenge. Castaway challenge or castaway K5K. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I was at every weekend, but I didn't earn every medal. I know. Almost every medal for you though. You could do a giant mega medal picture too though. I could. I'm, <laughs> I'm laughing a little bit here friends because before we started this episode i asked everybody how their training went and it was all oh man i haven't done anything that started i'm getting different answers now pam how's your training going <laughs> how how about i'll be honest oh. uh, so, <laughs> i'll be running the 10 miler and this is the do as i say not as i do because what i'm going to say is everyone should be training appropriately to do every race mm-hmm. um However, when I haven't put my feet to pavement since marathon weekend, I did the 10K mm. then. So uh, I did set out the races for Princess, which is a rarity to not run a single race the entire weekend. And so, yeah, I'll be going into the 10 miler uh, totally, totally blind. Okay. That, yeah, but you're an experienced runner. You'll be okay. Plus, you get the additional benefit of ba- being able to be on your feet all day at your expo <laughs> booth. So you get all that that's, that's relaxation true. and yeah, that should be fun. That's true. I, I guess, I don't know if that's a benefit, but it is part of my normal I think weekends. It's, I think it's tough. I think it, it makes it, it that much It tougher. is a challenge. I think, I think the most challenging was probably, uh, may have been 2020 when I did Dopey, Dopey? and worked the expo oh, start yeah. to finish every single day. That's insane. But you did it. You did it. I'm proud of you. I'll just toss in that my training's on track. I'm I'm walking. I'm walking at a good pace. I did Jeff Galloway's half, was it now, two weekends ago? And that's that was a good training run. A lot of hills there, strengthen the legs. So I'm ready to go. I'll do something fairly long this Saturday, and then I'll be out there and ready to go. But, Pam, we started talking about you being at the booth and all that. And while we're happy to have you here as part of the gang, we also want to hear about fluffy fizzies. We want to hear what you've got to offer for this weekend and anything you want to tell our friends about ordering and deadlines and go. Okay. Well, we're looking forward to it. First of all, sneaking up on us rather quickly. We yeah. well, let's start with the bad news. I guess the bad news is that we will have to cut off orders uh, fairly mm-hmm. soon. So probably as of Friday, and I mean this Friday, 
Whatever yeah. inventory we have in for our cupcakes is what we're going to have for the entire expo. Um, the, the cupcakes are the first ones we have to cut off. Mm-hmm. And mainly because some of them are a little bit time intensive. Uh, we have a, a, a glorious monster available. Yeah, it's pretty with cool. Go- <laughs> with googly eyes. Uh-huh. Um, but he is very, very, very time intensive. So I, I imagine. He's very. Coming, he's hairy. He is very hairy. And that hair is not as easy as uh, as one would hope. Uh, I do have to say, you know, I do the product testing myself to start for every weekend. And um, I had googly eyes everywhere uh, on my body when I got out of the tub because <laughs> I was doing... So unfortunately, this time we had a couple of designs that did not get approved, and oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they were cute as can be too. But uh-huh. all of all of them had googly eyes. So when you throw them all in the tub, you might get out with googly eyes all over you. But uh, the one that passed only has two eyes and a lot of hair. Uh, so we do have a monster in the mix. We have a, a salute to the cars. We have a cowboy, a kind of a fun cowboy hat, cowboy adventure. And then I think my favorite, I know, I know this is a, a difference of opinion from others, but I think my favorite this time is the underwater adventure. And for that, we have a, a cute little orange fish, a playful blue fish, and <laughs> a green turtle that, okay. uh, that is crushing it. So uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> those, those, I think, are my favorite. <laughs> this weekend. So we will have to cut off the cupcake inventory probably on Friday. Sunday will be the cutoff for everything for this weekend because okay. I, I think, uh, you know, we have to wait for things to dry. We have to pack up. We, we leave Maryland about uh, usually the weekend prior. So for us, it's really kind of coming, coming up quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure is. Now we already posted Allie already made a post on Facebook talking about the 331 cutoff which is this Friday which even though that's a couple days from our recording time if you're listening on the release day uh that's tomorrow folks <laughs> so it's coming up real quick but fam correct me I want to repeat this it's the cupcakes you have to cut off Friday the rest you can cut off on Sunday is that right so the, the cutoff for the cupcakes simply means I can't produce more cupcakes starting then. So let's, let me give you an example. If I have 20 cupcakes left over from the pre-orders already, you can still order those, but I can't take an order for 30 more cupcakes of that, of that one variety. So, so I will be cutting it off, but most people wouldn't notice until Sunday when I have to take away the expo pickup option. And that will happen okay. by Sunday for sure. Okay. Don't forget the happy running code, friends. And what, Pam will give you, I think, uh, $1. fifty off. I can't remember what it is. It's 10%, right, Pam? It's, it's, it's 10%. So uh, yeah, I, I, I could be that. quite substantial sometimes. No, it's very helpful. And, and we appreciate it on behalf of the listeners and on behalf of us. We appreciate you offering that to them. That's great. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at this stuff, Pam, and I see... It looks like a new product. Uh, you have some bounce back body mask. It is. So we're kind of continuing the topical line for those who don't have tubs. And this is now really going to be step one in the whole scheme of things. If you've ever been to a spa 
and gotten a clay mask on your body. That's what this is, but it's a clay mask with some benefits um, such as, so, so we put in bentonite clay, which is what we put in our bath bombs as a detox agent. So what we're doing is mixing together bentonite clay and French green clay that, that forms the base of the clay mask. Then we are using fractionated coconut oil as the carrier. And then of course our bounce back essential oil blend. So that's the blend that's known for anti-inflammatory properties, pain relief, um, you know, so we don't have the swelling and things like that. So what you're going to do, you put on the mask first, let it sit for about 15 minutes. So it pulls out the toxins, just like these full body masks do when you're at the spa. Then you're going to clean that off, uh, rinse it off, wash it off, shower it off. Uh, then you can, you know, a good thing to do right afterwards is actually use the whip scrub because then, you know, you're kind of exfoliating and cleaning and everything's getting all tingly. Then when you get out, go with the body butter or the bliss. So really you just kind of keep continually layering on the essential oils and, and getting those benefits. So yeah, that's our newest product that, um, I do have to say, if you're going to do it in the tub, it will look like a mud river <laughs> when you're done. Um, but you can do it outside of the tub. You can rinse off afterwards. Um, and we will be giving out, um, I guess you're going to call them foot bags so that you can put this on and it's not so you can walk around. We don't want you walking around with, you know, with these foot bags on, but it's so that you can put the mask on, put the bag over your feet and then put your feet down to mm -hmm. hold them in the air. You know, you can actually touch surfaces. <laughs> so, um, so if you order them and we forget to hand you your foot bags, please ask for it. Um, don't forget. Usually my dad is one of the ones handing out all the bags and you know, he's, he's, um, he's great at doing that, but he does tend to forget every once in a while. It's okay. It's okay. We'll forgive him. You have size, <laughs> you have size 15 foot bags. You know, so I think I. that, I think they will go that big. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's got a hefty bag for you, Bob. Yeah, it's, a, it's a big old trash bag. Yeah. yeah. Pam, I feel like you're mostly advertising to me when you come on our show <laughs> because I am totally on board. At first, when I saw the mask, I assumed, oh, facial mask, but this is a mm -hmm. body mask. So, um, so this is something that I can use on my feet, which I'm really excited about. And I'm thinking, you know, put the foot bags on and then do some legs up the wall so that all mm -hmm. of the blood flow comes down. So I'm, I'm on board with that. I, I did my purchasing ahead already and I got your new lip balms. So will you have those also at the expo? Yes. Yes. I'm loving the lip balm. Actually, I have one right here next to me. Actually, I have one just about everywhere I go now. Um, <laughs> this is the chocolate that I'm putting on and absolutely love the chocolate. Yes, we will have the lip balms and you're going to notice them to be oh, a little themed to some designs. And uh, <laughs> so chocolate, you know, chocolate's kind of like the boss, I guess you would say. And we'll have strawberry and we have a vanilla bean, a cotton candy. Mm -hmm. um, they're all so yummy. We have them individual. And then we also have a pack, our favorite pack. And then, oh, I can't forget bubble gum. Bubble gum's in the mm -mm. mix as well. Can't forget that. So, uh, no, can't forget bubble gum. So, yes, we do have a 
favorite five or maybe a fantastic five <laughs> pack that you can get. Um, but they are available all individual. They are available for pre-order and they will be there at the expo as well. Awesome. And Pam, I think to round this out, I have a very important question for you. Um, what specific glitter lipstick uh, do you have for Bob to match his 5K costume? <laughs> well, I guess that depends on what Bob's 5K costume hey, is, she um, couldn't, but we have just about everything. She couldn't sell it to Tinker Bob. <laughs> so I, I did don't... I did try to get him to do gold, I believe. Uh, yes, yeah, well. yeah. Um, but we could not do that. But yeah, let me know what his costume is and, and I can make that magic happen. She and Becky both tried their hardest. <laughs> I mean, look, I had a wig, I had wings and a wand. I ain't wearing lip gloss. I got to draw the line somewhere. So. Now, you know, I, I do have to say, I, I know Chris is one of, uh, has been on your podcast quite a bit. He, he will sport lipstick every weekend for me. Um, you might also see the announcers up on stage. Oh, for they, sure there. Oh, yeah. man. Tell you what, Carissa really rocks it too. Oh, yeah. And the funny yeah. thing is when people come to the expo, that day because a lot of them will come on Friday or Saturday after the race. I'll hear, what was she wearing today? I want mm. that color. And and mm -hmm. some of the times I'm not there and I don't know which one she's chosen for yeah. the day. So uh, I usually get to hear really quickly what color she had on, but all of, you know, they, they all are wearing it. Um, obviously I wear it pretty much start to finish that entire. Weekend. Yeah. You're the, you're the demo person. I am the demo person and, um, you know, I tell everybody, I put it on, we eat, we drink, we kiss, we talk and it stays on, but yeah, just let me know whatever color Bob needs. And I mean, if we have to hold him down and put it on, yeah, it's going to take a couple it'll definitely take all of us to do so, but, um, yeah, I'd yeah. love to have Bob rocking the glitter. I get a kick out of you're at the booth and uh, talking with Pam and all of a sudden somebody will say something, Pam will just turn around and put her lips out. <laughs> And she, cause she knows, she knows. Yeah. Usually that's when one of our, um, so Shay, one of our employees who also rocks the lipstick every single time, she'll be talking to somebody and we always say what number we're wearing. So, you know, I'll say I'm wearing number eight and Shay's wearing number seven and I'll say, Shay, look up and she'll look up and smile because she knows that's what that means. So she'll uh -huh. do the same to me same as thing. well. Yep. That's our, that's yep. our cue to look. In. And the other thing that's somewhat odd sometimes is I get some very close up pictures of my lips. People will say, oh, can, can I take a picture <laughs> to show somebody? Oh, and geez. instead of a picture of it being, you know, my face, instead they're about three inches from my lips. So that's, <laughs> you know, that's a little different sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This time around, I'm dressing as the nighttime Epcot ball, and so I'm wondering: Do you have do you have ones that change colors? Maybe <laughs> that would be neat. You know, so the funny thing is, I am testing out an iridescent right now. Oh, cool! Um, yeah, so I can tell you that for this race season, um, we're going to have pretty much the twelve that we've had all along. But for next year, we are working on a new formula, working on new packaging, and working on new glitter blends. Oh, you heard and it here I, first, folks. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. The glitter blends, I think, would be are going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're toying with the idea of being able to do custom blends on site, but I don't know if that's going to be able to be something we can do. However, I think that would be a lot of fun as well. Um, 
but so so for this expo, I can tell you we do have the twelve different colors, and so it's everything from a blue and a green and a gold to your traditional red. You know that that number seven, the most popular one we do is number seven, that candy apple red, and um, you know so we have the whole gambit of them this time. That's what we like about you, Pam, is you're always thinking of like new and exciting things to add to your products, which is just awesome. I think that is, um, so, well, first of all, I know that's what kept us going through COVID was the ability to adapt and change to the market. Um, the fact that the Disney renovations means a lot less bathtubs has made us adapt and change to that market as well. And that's how we're coming up with all the different topical applications. Um, so I, I do have to say that is a hallmark of being a small business. And what I encourage as I teach others to start their small businesses is that you have to constantly look at the market and see how you can adapt and change. Mm-hmm. Good advice. All right. I bet you didn't know you were getting a business lesson tonight. Too. Oh, didn't, didn't hurt. <laughs> didn't hurt. I was taking notes. Good stuff. All right, Pam, sounds good. You know, I always tell our friends to drop by and visit Pam. Tell her you heard about it on the podcast. Now they can drop by and visit you and say they heard you on the podcast. Yeah, so. I think this is uh, my fourth time with you guys, fourth or fifth time. Yeah. And um, I do get treated like a celebrity sometimes at the booth where they want to take pictures with me because they've heard me on as the you podcast. Should. As you should. <laughs> well, As you should you be. Know, I've, I've met some of the most amazing people. And seriously, oh, yeah. some people do just come by to say, I've heard you on the podcast. And, I, you know, you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to, to do anything. But that that makes me smile every oh, single yes. time when people come up and say, oh, I heard you on the podcast. Yeah, we, we love the family and it's growing all the time. And we appreciate it. And we appreciate the part you play. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, my friends. Hey, we've got a special guest with us this evening. Our friend and a friend of the run Disney Universe, Meredith, did something really cool a couple weeks ago. Finished the Tokyo Marathon. Pretty cool by itself, Meredith. But not only that, she that was her sixth major in the Abbott's Major. She has her six-star medal also. Hey, Meredith, welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you. We appreciate you spending the time with us. Uh, this is going to be fun. This, this, let's start with the start. How did this journey begin? How did you get started running? And how did you get into the idea, I'm going to knock out all six of these bad boys? Well, I'll start out with that first part of that question, which is how I got into running. Um, which is probably relatable for a lot of people. In 2013, I started running as a way to lose weight, and I just wanted to make it through a 5K alive um, without stopping. And so um, I lost about about 80 pounds. Um, oh, nice. That first part of my running journey. And then I got married, and I decided I was done. <laughs> I'd, I'd done it and um, kind of slacked off a bit and as weight tends to do it, it came back. Um, and so I gained back all but about five pounds of what I had lost. And then I decided, okay, um, I need something a little bit more consistent. Um, 
and to get back into running. And I signed up for my first half marathon in 2018. And um, I didn't just sign up for a half marathon. I signed up for the fairy tale challenge in 2018 because, you know, I like a challenge. So um, that was my first uh, half marathon and my introduction into Run Disney. And as you all are probably familiar with, I got hooked from there. And, um, <laughs> yep. I did a, um, a challenge in Disneyland Paris as well, because Coast to Coast was, was down that year. Um, starting that year, I, I brought the bad luck on everybody. Sorry, guys. And so I was like, well, if I can't get Coast to Coast, I'll get Castle to Chateau. And so I did that and got that challenge. And I was like, okay, I've done these Run Disney races. I've now done an international race. What's my next challenge? Um, and that's when I started looking towards um, the full marathon. And, you know, they say you only run your first marathon once. So you want it to be um, a special place for you because it, it has a special meaning, meaning all of its own. Um, but you just really want to think about where you want your first full marathon to be. And my first half had already been at Disney. So I knew I wanted, um, somewhere outside of Disney as much as I love Disney. Um, but to separate that a little bit, um, I studied abroad in London in college and, uh, or like a, a six or seven week program. And I just fell in love with the city and, it was between London and Chicago for me for my first full. And I ended up going with London. And when I was researching the London Marathon is when I found out about the six world majors. And so I was, I was like, oh, perfect. You know, as any run Disney runner as well knows, you, you don't, once you know of the greater challenge and the more bling you can get, you, you, want all, you want all of that, right? So that set me on the path. And that was in uh, 2019 is when I completed the London Marathon. So London started it out 2019. Pretty Well, that's not that long ago. No, no. And, and with the pandemic um, taking away about a year of that um, for, for everybody, um, uh, I finished it a bit quicker even than I had originally thought. So that's impressive. We know you started London, ended Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Fill in the gap. What are the what was the order on the others? Okay, so I started in London and then I went to New York in the in the same year. I ran uh London was in the spring um before the pandemic. Um so I ran that first and then in the fall I ran New York. Um and then let's see. Then the pandemic hit, but the first chance that um, it was allowed and it came back, I went to Berlin in 2021. And then in spring of 2022, I did Boston. Uh, last fall, I did Chicago and then Tokyo this year. Awesome. Did you qualify for Boston? I did not qualify for Boston. Um, okay. There's nothing wrong with that, Meredith. I just was curious. No, I'm a back of the packer for sure. Um, So I did charity and I did, I did it through Catherine Switzer's 
Charity. Oh, neat. Yeah, I'm sure. 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 Yeah. With so many back-to-back marathons, what was your training like? Continuous. <laughs> I always felt like I was in marathon training. I did anywhere from 16 to 20 week programs um, for each of those. And almost always during a show at my local theater, um, which um, is how I met Joe, who's a- There you go. Guys. Our, our buddy, Joe. Yes, Joe Graham, the Christmas King. Uh-huh. Follow-up question to that. Did you do anything special to make sure that you didn't get um, any injuries with so many marathons back-to-back? I think I was just really fortunate. Um, I'm not a graceful person, but I avoided falling, so that's good. Um, that is good. And then really the only time that um, I had any sort of problem in that area was before the Disneyland Paris races. I had some some foot pain. I thought it was maybe plantar fasciitis, but um, I've just been really fortunate where um, where I haven't had much um, much problem with injury. So that's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. Although I will say I was in a car wreck. Um, oh. In January or February of the year that I did Berlin. And, um, I cracked my ribs and I got a blood clot in my calf and I broke my hand, but luckily I had enough time to recover from all of that and, um, and COVID (laughs) in time for, um, Berlin. But I definitely felt that on my lungs a little bit, but, um, I was, I was able to overcome that, but it wasn't a running injury. It was just an, an outside world injury. Glad. I'm glad that didn't set you back too badly. That's, that sounds pretty tough, but you got through it. Way to go. Do you have one of the six that you would consider your favorite? Oh my goodness. They each have their own quirks and their own, almost their own personality, really. Oh gosh. It's really hard to choose. Um, but if I had to, I would probably pick, I'd probably pick New York just okay. because of how the city embraced the marathon. Um, it was the biggest party, you know, um, although Boston was very historic in the city, did the spectators, spectators were amazing for that one. And, and London had all the cool, um, iconic, uh, structures and, and different things, but, uh, New York, I would say, was my favorite. And I've always wanted to go to New York, though, so maybe I was just biased. Oh, well, that helps. Yeah. And, and I have heard others say that. I've heard others say that the crowd is just so impressive in New York that you'll never forget it. That's really neat. Which one was the toughest? Oh, it would. That, that one's an easy question. It was easily <laughs> Berlin um, for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was the jet lag or. Um, some side effects of what I had gone through earlier in the year. Um, but my hamstrings were tight. I felt it was hot and humid and it was just, it was kind of miserable and it wasn't anything about the race structure or the race organizers or the crowds or anything else. It was just me personally. That was a hard race for me. I was almost ready to throw my hands up and be like, I'm never going to do, I'm never going to do that again. Oh, wow. 
five K or anything. I was, I was just, it was a struggle. It was a struggle for sure. Since you mentioned Berlin, did you get into a groove of traveling to faraway marathons? Um, And if you did, do you have any tips for people who might want to travel to a far off place to run a race? I think I, I learned some lessons (laughs) from traveling to those international races it's there it's just a whole other ball game once you start worrying about jet lag and and um, just the culture and different places and how that all operates uh, my advice would just be well the first thing I learned from London was don't leave the day after the marathon because <laughs> all up until the marathon you're worried about what you're going to eat. Are, are you walking too much? And all of, all of these thoughts, you know, you're nervous, you can't really enjoy um, the city that you're in. Um, and then after the marathon, if you just leave right away, you'll, you'll never really get to experience that. So that's my first tip is, you know, plan, plan at least a day or two after the marathon when you can really enjoy the city that you're in, because um, I don't, I travel internationally, but not, you know, every day. So you, you want to be able to take time to experience that um, and not have to worry about fitting it all in before the race. Yeah, that's good advice. In following up with that, Meredith, the one thing that I'm very curious about now, I know you talked about how you ran Boston on behalf of a charity, but obviously some of these races you know, require, you know, the whole lottery process. So, you know, it's kudos to you to be able to knock out all six majors and have to jump all these hurdles. What combination of, you know, between charity, winning a lottery, and then other options? Like I know um, Lexi and Jack, you know, ran Berlin, but they did through like a, a travel agent, like r- vacation races. What avenues did you have to go through to complete all six majors? Okay. So for London, I did charity for London because the odds of the lottery are are not great. Um, So I did a charity for London. For New York, I did, that's kind of a, it has kind of its own crazy story. I was in a Facebook group um, and about New York or the majors and they were talking about New Balance rewards, which I think was the last year that they did it was the year that I ran. Um, and I run in New Balances, so I had points, um, but not enough points. And through a um, leader or member of this Facebook group I was in, he was able to put me in touch with someone else who had New Balance rewards that wasn't going to use them. We combined. I got enough points and I got um, a bib and in New York through the rewards program, which was kind of unique, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I still talk to both of the, both of the guys that um, were able to get me into New York and they're great guys. The nice, things that nice. runners do for each other is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Berlin, I did, it, it was lottery, but it was through the team lottery. So you can sign up um, as, as a team of two, and if either one of your names get, or maybe more than two, but minimum two, um, and if either one of your names gets drawn, then you're both in. So I got in um, through the team lottery, 
And I'm sure it was the other person that got me in because I'm just not lucky. <laughs> so she, she pulled me in, which was great. It um, worked. For, let's see, for Boston, I went through charity, like I said, um, which I had to be selected. Boston's charities, um, those are coveted charity spots. And they're big time fundraising spots. So um, I was very lucky um, to and fortunate to run for, for that charity. For Chicago, uh, for Chicago, I got in on the lottery. That was my one lottery try, but it, it, um, it took, took me entering, I think, three or four lotteries to get into that one. And then for Tokyo, I had another kind of uh, unique and, and uh, lucky experience. I signed up for their um, virtual half marathon series. And uh, they drew 50 names out of the ones that completed that for a Tokyo marathon entry. And I entered the first, and they were like $12 or something a piece. And I entered the first one um, and used my Boston marathon. I just turned on the app that they wanted us to use. And I ran that one and I didn't get drawn. I ran the second one and the third one's registration was um, um, before we would know the results of the second one. So I went ahead and signed up for a third one, um, but I actually got drawn on the second one. So I got, I got drawn out of the second one um, as, as a group of 50, which was really cool. It is cool. Once you get to five, is there some help to get that sixth one? somewhere or you, you explained to us how you got in but i was just curious is there is there some some other way to do it yes there is now um if you they use i well when i was doing it they at least had where if you were just one star short they would put you in a drawing and you could get drawn that way but now i think they have introduced another series kind of like the Tokyo marathon did with the half marathons, um, where you can, where you can draw, you know, run some races with them and draw out of it that way. I see. We, we were talking earlier before we started here about Tokyo this year. This is the first time in three years, I think that anyone who wasn't an elite runner or a native Japanese person was able to run it. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. Yes. And I also ran the Berlin marathon and, uh, the first Berlin marathon back, the first Boston marathon back and the first Chicago marathon back from the pandemic. The groundbreaker. Good for you. <laughs> Going with the Tokyo marathon, um, since that's the most recent and it was, you just said that you had been the first one back. Can you explain what the atmosphere was like there? Um, from the local people cheering you on? The local people, um, and I'm sure it's like this every year, not just because it was the year we were all back. They are so respectful and so um, just, they're just so positive and they're so happy. Um, Absolutely. Just in general, it didn't even have to be about the race. You could walk into any random business and they're like that. They will do whatever they can to help you and make you feel comfortable and just, they're just very positive people. That was my impression of them. 
so you know since this was the first tokyo marathon back as we mentioned before i i can't remember if it was your your post or um or, or someone else's that we had saw that there was a lot of different um accommodations that needed to be made during that race you know in terms of like safety procedures and everything like that can you talk about that experience of you know how did the logistics of this race compared to the previous races or the previous majors that you did, whether they were pre-COVID or post-COVID? Right. Okay. That, that is a good question. And it's going to take me a little while to answer because Tokyo um, in general, its rules are much different than any other major and any other race that I've ever run in as far as, I mean, even down to their water stops were different than, than any race I've been in. They had it where they had it set up where you um, were supposed to go to the water station that corresponded with the last number of your bib. Um, and an F and, and in an effort to keep the streets clean, I mean, you were absolutely um, not to throw any trash anywhere other than the bins you, you really needed, they really wanted you to carry it with you until you saw a bin. Uh, that's also tied with Japanese culture as well, um, with, with trash. Um, but as far as the COVID protocols, um, that were in place for this race, uh, about a week before the race, we were instructed to download an app um, like a global health app, I think is what it was called. And we had to take our temperature and uh, record like our physical symptoms um, up until um, race day. And they also took our temperature on race day. We were given two, two COVID tests at um, two antigen COVID tests at the expo that we had to take two consecutive days be again before the race um, and, sh and show that proof in the app. Uh, let's see, we needed to wear masks in the start area and the finish area. Um, that was, I think that was also something that we had to do in Berlin, um, and maybe Boston, but certainly for this, for this race, water packs were not allowed. Um, you could have the hydration backpack, but it couldn't have the bladder in it. They recommended that you run with a backpack though, because originally there was going to be zero throwaway clothes at the start, which as a run Disney runner and, oh, yeah. um, and someone that's always cold really frightened me um, that they were not going to have any throwaway. Um, you, you wore what you were running and what you wore. Um, basically, but um, Abbott kind of stepped in on that one for us, and uh, there were clothing donation bins added um, at the start. So that was something that they kind of changed this year. Hopefully, they keep that um, in place because uh, that's just an extra layer of anxiety that um, you don't need on race morning. And then the checkpoints in Tokyo are, are the big deal that you have all probably heard about. About every 5K, they have, they have sweep points. 
and they have their own balloon ladies, you know, and they'll stretch the rope across. It's about every 5K and they are very um, strict on those rules. And that's again, another Japanese culture thing. Um, they, they are very strict about that. This might be a silly question, um, but I am not really a international traveler per se, and I've never done a race outside of the U.S. And so for the countries that don't speak English um, as their first language, how were the races conducted? Were they conducted in English or was there a translator for um, the different languages that might be in there? Like, how did that work? Yeah, and I was a bit I was a bit concerned about that. Uh particularly in Berlin and in uh, Tokyo, but they, most of the signage in Tokyo had um, both Japanese and then English translations under that. And for anything that didn't, it was um, very much a, a point and a hand sign sort of situation, but I never found that to be a problem. Um, they did have English volunteers so, and I think they had either a different vest or a sign or something that's, that designated them as an English speaking volunteer. Um, but I never had a problem with communication with, with them. That's cool. I, I, I have, Greg's the fellow who's been in Japan for a while. I've been over there a couple of times in army deployments. I find a lot of young people in Japan speak English. Mm-hmm. In fact, at one point, uh, one of our guide said to us, Hey, if you get lost, find a, find a young person. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I, I only spent, I only spent four days in, in like Japanese high school when, when I was there. But I mean, the number of English classes that they took throughout the year was, was really, really impressive. So no, that's absolutely true. And Google translate is also your friend. Oh yeah. So the one thing that I absolutely adore about Japanese culture is the food. And I am itching to get back there because I just want some like authentic curry and rice. I want to eat raw octopus. Like I'm just like, I'm like clamoring for that type of stuff. (laughs) But clearly those are types of foods that we don't eat on a regular basis here in the States. Nor is it probably regular foods that we train with when we're training for a marathon, especially a world major. How did you handle the cuisine of Japan in relation to those couple of days leading up to the race? Did you bring food with you? Did you try to find, you know, the Japanese equivalents? How did you handle that? Sure. And I was really worried about this one because I have a, the palate of a five-year-old, okay? I eat chicken nuggets and you know, pizza. Okay. And mac and cheese. Those are like my big food groups. So I was a little bit worried. Uh, they did have, um, um, places like Burger King and McDonald's and stuff like that. And I tried to play it a little bit more safe with stuff like that. And I was, I was like, man, I'm going to get laughed at, you know, all these, um, people like you went to Tokyo and you got Burger King, but listen, I, I was trying to be super safe about it before the marathon. So I did stuff that I knew that I could handle, which was like the burgers and um, rice. Rice was fine. I did have ramen before the marathon um, to carb up a little bit. And I was able to find an Italian restaurant uh, over there for the night before the marathon. So that, that was fine. 
I was, it, it took more searching to find, to find things that we were more familiar with, but it, it was, it was never a problem. I could always find something that I thought I could eat. And I saved the more adventurous stuff until after the marathon. Probably not a bad idea, but yeah, you don't want to go there and, and not try the local cuisine and some. So that's good. I'm, I'm glad you did that. Now that you've done all of the world majors, um, would you recommend doing all of them or is there some that you would skip? Um, how would you go about that? Oh, no, I would recommend doing them all if you're if you're going to get into it. Um, like I said, they all had their own personalities and their own um, really special things about them that I, I would never leave one of them out. I would recommend all of them. Have you done any other marathons besides the majors? Just, uh, just one other. And that was as a part of the Dopey challenge. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. The hot, the hot one that got cut off. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess they're all that one. Um, Wow. One that they got cut off at um, Blizzard Beach. That I, would be I 2020. That. 2020. 2020, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you finished uh, the race. You get your Tokyo medal. Where do you get your six-star medal? Is that at the same spot? Is there something special you have to show? Is there something tagged in your bib that says you're going for your six-star? Yes. And... I will say that the organization around this part of it was very, very good. Um, they set us op- up with our own Facebook group and Abbott was, this was Abbott that set us up with the, um, our own Facebook group. And they um, were in, were in communication with us quite a bit about um, where the six star tent was in the finish line area. It wasn't in the same place that you got your, your medals but it was, or your marathon medals, but it was very close and on the way out, it was just in another area and they had their own tent. And the way they knew that um, you were a six star finisher is a few weeks before the race. uh, If you had claimed all your stars, Abbott would email you or, um, or you would email Abbott, Hey, this is, this is my final star and they would put you in their system or whatever. Once you registered that this was your final star attempt, uh, they would put a QR code on your Tokyo Marathon bib for your six star that they could scan. And that would, and they also gave you a bib to wear on your back um, that shows, hey, I'm going for my six star today or whatever. But the QR code is what they scanned at the tent that let them know that um, that you were supposed to be there. <laughs> very, very interesting. That's so cool. And again, congratulations on getting all those stars. That's just that's so awesome. Post race, though, did you get the opportunity to visit uh, Tokyo Disneyland while you were there? Yes, that was uh, that was my celebration. You know. Uh, what if, you know, you just completed your six stars. What are you going to do next? I'm ah, going perfect. to Disneyland. Perfect. And, Amazing. And so the day after the marathon, um, I was hobbling a little bit, but I made it out to uh, Tokyo Disney Sea was the first part oh, that yes. I went to. And then the next day after Disney Sea, I went to Tokyo Disneyland. So I got both parks in 
And that's where I got lots of good food in. All the Mickey shapes ah. <laughs> that I could find, I was getting. The alien mochi, I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I still contend to this day. I mean, Grant, I, I love Walt Disney World with all my heart, but the two best parks that I've ever been to in my life are both in Tokyo. Uh, yeah, and the, I got to experience some of their, their, what I call special rides. So the Beauty and the Beast ride that they have going on there right now is incredible. And there, um, there It's a Small World is, we need to take some lessons because they, they've got some cool stuff happening in there. Um, each country they have kind of, they've put in movie characters. So for England, they have like Peter Pan um, in the small world, you know, characterization, I guess, but it's really cool. And they have other surprises in there that are, that are really neat. For our listeners who might not be familiar with what Tokyo is like to run, what were the neighborhoods like and, and what kind of city aspects was it um, and what were your favorite parts of it? Well, Tokyo is kind of broken up in little communities. So you'll have like ga- a gaming community, which is where I stayed or, um, you know, more of a kitchen community. They have different communities within Tokyo and it's all very interesting for the race. Um, if you can imagine, I know we have a lot of run Disney runners, um, Cone Alley. Oh, yeah. That's, it's very much like that because there's so many turns on the course where, where you can see who's coming behind you, who's in front of you. It's a, it's a lot of turns. And so be prepared for that if you ever do Tokyo. It feels like you're kind of running in the same circle <laughs> um, until the end where you can see... Um, the Tokyo tower and some of the shrines, but most of it, it looks like you're running through the same neighborhood of buildings just because you're turning so much. But that was my experience with it. Interesting. Interesting. You're a Disney runner, Meredith. Yes. Did you do any of these in costume? Yes, I did all of them in costume. Oh, Uh, wow. You know, I just can't pass up a chance to dress up. It's All right, we need to hear my about blood it. now. So for London, I dressed up as the Golden Snitch from Harry Potter. Okay. Um, for New York, I dressed up as Audrey Hepburn, a la Breakfast at Tiffany's. Ooh. For Berlin, I wore a Dirndl, which is like the um, traditional kind of beer maid kind of look. Um, and then let's see, for Boston. I just kind of had a unicorn visor situation with my charity shirt. Uh, For Chicago, I dressed in a Chicago Blackhawks jersey because I'm a fan of that hockey team. Best best jersey in sports. I'm not a real fan of the team, but that's that's the best jersey in sports. Isn't it? It's great. So Beautiful. Um, So, yes, I wore that for Chicago. And then for Tokyo, I dressed up as Kiki from Kiki's Delivery Service, which is a Studio Ghibli um, thing that you'll find in the Tokyo Pavilion. If you're ever in Epcot, you will find some Kiki's Delivery Service stuff. And that was that went over very well in Tokyo. I didn't put my name or my traditional stuff on the front of my shirt because of some of the rules that I read in the Tokyo handbook made me a little bit nervous to do that. 
but um, everybody just referred to me as Kiki that day, and <laughs> it, it was great. Good job. Good job carrying on that run Disney tradition throughout the world. That's really neat. Way to go. Yeah, I can't run if I'm not in costume. You, that's good for you. I'm seeing a theme with you, Meredith. Your first half marathon was a challenge at Run Disney. Then you decided to do all the world major marathons. And then you have your only other marathon you said casually was just part of Dopey. <laughs> so, so my question for you is, what's the next challenge for you? Okay. Well, I have about four um, um, that are running related for sure. Um, so when I ran in Berlin in the Darendal, I was trying to, and uh, the Golden Snitch in London, I was trying to get an individual uh, Guinness Book World Record in those. Um, I wasn't able to do that, but um, I think I'm going to make another attempt in November here in Arkansas. So that would be one of my next goals, um, an individual world record. Um, I also have been writing um, some of my running journey down, particularly around these majors. So mm -hmm. I might go down that path, even though it's not a race, it, it would be a big goal to, um, you know, share, share my story and my journey with others. So on that one, um, I want to um, set up a, a running trail um, down by a lake where I grew up and I've got the permits to do it. I've just got to organize it. So um, setting up a running trail where maybe I could organize some future races, which would be awesome. And uh, then as far as my own personal race goals, I want to do a half marathon or more in all the 50 states. So that'll take me a little bit more time than the majors did. But that's my yeah, that's a good running one. one. Yeah. Pretty neat. When do we see you at Disney World again? Oh, well, hopefully sooner rather than later. I'm not really sure. I'm not signed up for Wine and Dine this year. Um and I really want to get out to Disneyland and do those races um, because like I said, I did do the Disneyland Paris uh, Castle to Chateau, but that coast to coast is still calling me. So I feel like I need to get out to Disneyland at some point um, here in the near future. Maybe with Joe Graham. <laughs> with Joe, huh? Yeah, there you go. That That would be good. We were talking just a minute ago that... Tokyo this year, of course, because it was unavailable to most runners, had a record for the number of people finishing their sixth star. But it was particularly important to you for another reason, wasn't it? I already knew going into the Tokyo Marathon that there were other six star finishers in my state, although I didn't think that there were many. Um, and I live in Arkansas. Um, I don't know if I said that, but um, anyway, so I emailed Abbott just because I was curious. Um, and they said before Tokyo, so this could all change. Um, but they said before Tokyo that I was slated to be, um, only the fifth six star finisher from my state wow. and, the, and the youngest, 
um, cool. of those. So I could potentially be the, the youngest six-star finisher in Arkansas, which would be really cool. Something to be proud of. Absolutely. Now, non-running related, before I let you go, <laughs> we've made, what, three or four references to our buddy Joe? Yes. Have you ever been there for the Joe Graham's Christmas Spectacular? I have been so blessed and so fortunate to have been in Joe's house and to have witnessed his uh, his Christmas extravaganza. Yeah. All his Santa heads on his fireplace and his metal tree that he changes every year. Yeah. And it's yeah. just very impressive because it's more metals than I would have on on a metal tree. It, it yeah. is. It is. He gets out there and does it. That's for sure. What, seven trees or something in the house? Something like that? Oh, um, probably. He, he adds more per year. And really, in the way um, I see it, I, I've been through his house or through his pictures of his house um, several times. And you just find something new in there every year. It's been there for for the past however many years that um, there's just a lot to take in, uh, and you find something new every trip. So you have to keep going back. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Well, Meredith, it's, it's been great fun. Congratulations to you. What a tremendous accomplishment, especially to knock it out as quickly as you did. We're proud of you. We're proud to have you as part of the family here, and we thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. Well, thank you, and and. Thank you all for for all the good questions and for inviting me on once again. I, I know I said that in the beginning, but I, I really appreciate y'all taking time to, to talk to me about this. So it's been fun. Meredith, thanks for sharing your time with us. That, that is a big deal, and we're glad you joined us to talk about it. Friends, let's change topics just a little bit. Let's talk about you're at Disney World. You meant to make advanced dining reservations, don't we all? But you forgot. You show up, it's time to eat, and you got to pick a place to go. Bob, are you, why are you describing me right now for all of my plans for springtime surprise? <laughs> Mind reading. Mind reading, my friend. It's a skill I have honed over the last several episodes. And it's just now paying off. That's good. But let's think about it. Let's think about you're in the park. Let's start in the Magic Kingdom. You have no dining reservation. Where can you go to a place where you might be able to walk in to a sit down or maybe, maybe a counter service, maybe, but where are you going in Magic Kingdom if you don't have a dining reservation? Well, for me, the most important meal of the day is breakfast. Okay. And if I'm in desperate need of a breakfast-type item in the Magic Kingdom, there is one place and one place only to go, and that is Gaston's Tavern Wait, uh, back in New yeah, Fantasyland. Let's all say it together, but we're going to say something different. <laughs> well, Bob and I were going to say together, Sleepy, Sleepy Hollow. Hollow. Yes, actually. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I don't even eat meat, and I know that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I go to Sleepy Hollow, though, I get that uh, the waffle with the the fruit and fruit. the Nutella. Oh, 
Yeah, Whoa. really good. Really, I thought yeah. they just had the chicken and waffles there. Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. Funnel, interesting. Fu- funnel cake. Yeah, but that thing with the Nutella and the fruit, I haven't had it for a little while. It's really good. But Greg, where are you going? Gaston's Tavern. What are you getting? I'm getting the giant uh, cinnamon roll. Oh, okay. With the LeFou's brew. Uh, Mm -hmm. Health food. Yes, yes. uh, Diabetes in a cup and on the plate. Got you covered. (laughs) (laughs) Got you covered. How about is there a is there a sit down restaurant in the Magic Kingdom where you got a good solid chance of walking up and getting in without a reserva- reservation? I think I've got one or two ideas. I've done it before at Be Our Guest, but I don't know oh, really? now if you can really do that. Yeah, I wouldn't. That's, that's an expensive walk up. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't count on that. Um, I, for that scenario, Bob, I would say, and this is actually like one of my favorite restaurants in magic kingdom. Um, Skipper's canteen. Yeah. That's okay. my choice too. Because it's, yeah. it's a little bit more of an adventurous menu. So I don't think a lot of people are flocking there. Oh, okay. yeah. it's fabulous food. Skipper's canteen. Yeah. Yeah. I can't I've always guarantee it, but sometimes like what Greg is saying, I've had very good success walking in there. And, um, and if you're, if you like tofu, their tofu dish, their um, stew or whatever with the coconut tofu is incredible. Well, one time I forgot to make reservations and we wanted to eat. And we just, before it opened up, we walked up to Tony's and said, yes. is there any way I can get a sit down? Because if you stay here now and you're the first here online, there's a, it's a walk and wait right in the beginning. So we did that and- God, so it's like, if it opened at four, we got sat down by four fifteen. So cool. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Tony's is a is you got a good shot there, John. It worked for you. I think sometimes you can get there. Another one, I think you can get table service on a walk up basis sometimes is the Plaza Restaurant. It's towards the end of Main Street on your right hand side. You know. I'm going to be honest, for Magic Kingdom, I never want to do a sit-down. I've done plenty of sit-downs. I've done Be Our Guests and things like that. But I find that at the Magic Kingdom, my go-tos are always Cosmic Rays or uh, okay. Columbian Harbor House. Columbia Harbor yeah, Columbia, House. That's when we left off. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. You, you feel like you can get a good meal there. You know, you feel like you can get a it, – it's almost like a sit-down meal, a yeah. hearty meal, but yeah. it's a quick service. Yeah. So my thing is a little unorthodox. It's I like to leave Magic Kingdom and go across the Seven Seas Lagoon. I personally go to the Poly. Um, and I know we're going to get to some of our favorite resort restaurants. Um, but I like to go there and I like to go to Captain Cook's and just grab some of their quick noodles. Okay, cool. cool. And then come back to the park. Okay. Allie, that is why we are best friends. <laughs> Because that is also my strategy in Magic Kingdom. I will actually leave the park, boat it or monorail over to the Poly. Yeah. Um, go there. For, uh, go to Captain Cook's because I the the best thing I've eaten in the last couple of trips is the pulled pork nachos over at Captain Cook's. They are just absolutely phenomenal. But I, I will I will restrain myself from going into any further detail because I know we're gonna do a whole category of resorts. Um, yeah. yeah. But one thing. Uh, I will say before we continue on to the next park is 
I know in the My Disney Experience app, there is, and I, I can't remember if it's in like the Genie tip board or whatever, but you can actually look at walk-up availability oh, yeah. and you can actually join a virtual wait list mm -hmm. from the app. Now, it's always continually updating of how long you can potentially wait. But mm -hmm. again, if you're in this situation, definitely look at the app uh, and that should be able mm -hmm. to provide you some um, some help. Yeah, it's it's not in the it's it's in the dining options, I think, Greg. I don't think it's in the Genie Tip Board because I've used it, and it's not always available. Uh, the app is, of course, but the wait list sometimes even that's not available. But yeah, it's definitely absolutely worth looking at. All right, so we we talked Magic Kingdom places to go if you don't have a reservation. I think we pretty much named every place to eat there is in Magic Kingdom. Ah, <laughs> oh, we didn't. We didn't, but. Let's hop on the monorail, go over to Epcot. Same situation. No reservations. Where are you going? Well, now that there's a festival every weekend at Epcot, uh, yeah. it's pretty easy to find some food and some snacks there. got that there. going for you. That's true. That's true. All right. I'll tell you one that you can typically walk into, and my wife and I, Becky and I, enjoy it. Spice Road's Table. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually Spice Road Tables. I think I got it backwards. But, yeah, it's uh, it's nice. It looks out over the lake. Order a couple of small plates to share. Mm -hmm. Interesting options on the menu there. And we enjoy that one. Typically do not need a reservation. I'll go there with you. That's Road a good table. one. Yeah, it's good. Over by uh, the Moroccan Pavilion. I'll keep it in the world showcase. I enjoy now, this is the, the quick service front. Um, and actually this will tie into our guest from this evening. Um, Meredith's talking about the Tokyo marathon. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy Katsura grill. Yeah. Uh, which is oh, the, the quick service. Yeah. In yeah. The Japan pavilion. That's a good one. The, uh, the, it's lots of, you know, different foods from sushi to ramen um, and then they have one of my personal favorites, Japanese curry and rice, which is mm. and it's mm -hmm. very authentic to the country, which I really, really appreciate. Nice. So, uh, and it's very nice and quiet. It's tucked away in the back and everything yep. like that. Really enjoy that one. Yeah, pretty setting up there, up on the hill a little bit. Yeah, that's neat. Going back to another quick service place, uh, Summerfest in the German Pavilion. It's uh, mm. it's that place right. On the outside, it's right outside of uh, Beer Garden. Yeah, in, in the, under the under the. Uh, yeah, it's, it's almost like you're going into the Beer Garden, isn't it, John? And you turn yes. around. Yeah, it's right there, and they, you know, they have like pretzel bread pudding, bratwurst, oh. jumble pretzel, jumble pretzels. And that's I never a quick even little, heard of it. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. You know, I, I've never eaten there. I know exactly what he's talking about, but I've never eaten there. Um, I'll, I'll toss in another one that. Again, we had good luck with uh, La, Creper La Creperie, the creperie. It's got a fast service outside, but again, we were able to walk up one time and just walk right in. They have savory crepes. They have uh, sweet crepes. It was, it was nice. We enjoyed it. I think I suddenly realized that when I'm in theme parks... I don't sit down a lot because like Ali <laughs> said, at, at, at Epcot, there's usually a festival, but even if there's no festival, I find myself grazing uh -huh. through the countries at all their quick services more than anything. So yeah. um, I've suddenly realized that about myself that I don't think when I go to a theme park, I, uh, I do a lot of sitting down. You just don't sit much at all, do you, Pam? 
you're, I, I, you're running, you're at the expo. Just yeah. on the go, by golly. <laughs> That's good. Good stuff. Let's move on over to Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios, no reservations. Where are you going? Where are you going, Allie? I could go. There's so many places I could go at Hollywood Studios. But my favorite is, and I hope I'm not taking this from someone else, is Docking Bay 7. They have some of the best um, like small plates there that are healthy. So I feel like I'm actually getting vegetables in my for like once in the theme park. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you eat fish, they have a really good poke bowl. Um, mm. And if you eat, if you're meat free, they have like a bunch of like hummus plates and some that have like some fake meat in it too. But you can also get the um, oh, what it Ronto Roasters? Yeah, right. Next door as well mm-hmm, too, and mm-hmm. they serve it at Docking Bay Seven. But you can sit outside, and it's usually pretty quiet. Cool. Yeah, Ali, you took mine. I was gonna say Ronto yeah. Roasters. I know it's during lunchtime. It is extremely difficult to grab a table there. Yeah. Um, but it's so good. But the one tip that I did learn, speaking of Docking Bay Seven, is Ronto Roasters closes. Yes. At like three thirty or four o'clock or oh, something really? like that. Huh. But if you are craving a Ronto wrap, you can get it at Docking yes. Bay Seven, like oh. during like their dinner hours or something yep. like that. So, um, and and there it's a lot easier to get a table. Okay, um, I the third for uh, Docking Bay Seven. Really, I'm, I'm the odd man out here. Not my favorite, but that's okay. I yield to all of you guys who like it a lot. Um. Pam, is there one you're going to sit down at? Well, so, you know, years and years and years ago, I actually was a Disney cast member. Oh. And uh, I was I was one of the servers at the 50s uh, Primetime Cafe. Oh, I can oh, see no you way. doing that. <laughs> that yes, you would be Pam. perfect. So, you know, that always has a special place in my heart just from um, the nostalgia of it all. Um, and then my favorite quick service there and i think it might be gone now was the pizza place that was right by the muppets no pizza, it's still there pizza Rizzo. Rizzo. It's, still it's still there yeah is it still there okay maybe yeah. it was just closed when it was I went closed for a little while it was mm-hmm. okay i always like that pizza it reminds me of some sort of childhood memory pizza that i cannot quite place but is that nice mm-hmm. thick Pizza. I, I've always enjoyed it, and I think again that's just from a nostalgia standpoint. It's it's not bad. I I went once, and I was pleased. I was expecting yuck, and it was fine. Right. It was fine. Fifties prime time is a great place. Kind of tough to walk in there, but it is still a still a great place. A place that Becky and I like that you can walk up to, but it can be tough at time. Is the the lounge at the Hollywood Brown Derby? It's the lounge. It's outside. Yeah. It's covered with umbrellas. Uh, you can you can definitely walk up there and get a drink at the bar. That's easy. If if you can snag a table there, and typically you can without too long of a wait, you can get the regular Brown Derby menu, and it's really nice. So we enjoy that. So another another place that I've noticed that they have like a new vegetarian option is the Backlot Express. That was pretty okay. good. Okay. So, um, yeah. And they have a like teriyaki tofu bowl. That's pretty good. But like places like that, where you can just quickly grab something, ABC commissary, mm-hmm. um, even the, the sunshine, uh, fair, I think it's called a fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know like what you that. mean over there by tower. Fairfax. 
Yeah, those yeah, places right, or yeah. like Woody's Lunchbox, you can just grab something and then keep walking through the park. Like that's kind of the the jam at Hollywood Studios, I feel like for a lot of people. Yeah, there's a new one opening in Toy Story Land. I'm not even sure. I don't even Just know. opened this week. Yeah. Yep. So we, we can't tell you how good it is, but we'll look for it in the future. Um, all right, Hollywood Studios, on to Animal Kingdom. Flame Tree Barbecue. Yeah, yeah. that's got to be the top of a lot of people's. <laughs> that, that may be my favorite fast food place in the parks. And what we found out was really cool during uh, COVID when they had the cavalcades on the water. We were able mm-hmm. to sit, sit mm-hmm. by the water and watch the, the characters mm-hmm. float on by. That's what I like about Flame Tree Barbecue, too, is it's like shady yep. and there's a lot of places to sit. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's on the water, so you don't feel like you're like bombarded by people the whole time. And there's even a really good vegan option there. So they have a, um, even though it's a barbecue place, <laughs> they have yeah, a, a nice. good vegetarian option. Portions are large. It's not uncommon to share a meal for two adults. Be careful. It's very easy to share it with the birds also at Flame Tree Barbecue. <laughs> I had that happen one time. I got up to get condiments or something and a fellow at the table next to me said, the bird just took a couple French fries off your plate. I said, well, I hope he enjoyed them. What, what can I say at this point? <laughs> but yeah, that's a favorite. That's a favorite fast food place. Really excellent. Another place I like, and again, it's it's right in line with what I just talked about, Hollywood Brown Derby Lounge. There's a lounge outside of Tiffin's. Tiffin's is a very nice restaurant, but you really need a reservation there. The lounge, however, is walk up and you got to get lucky. But if you do, that's a great place. Sit right on the, again, you sit right on the water. Uh, nice food, nice menu. There's not the, not the full menu you would get inside Tiffin's, but it's a nice menu, a nice place to grab a lunch or something like that. I have to say, if you bring a bunch of kids, which let's face it, which usually you I have a bunch of kids, yes. right? Um, one of the places they love, and I find even without a reservation, you can get in easily, is the Rainforest Cafe that's oh, yeah. right at the entrance. And, right. um, you know, they love the atmosphere, and it's, it's usually a pretty quick wait. That's cool. Not been there, know exactly where you mean, though. That's cool. That's a good. That's a good suggestion. Especially, like you said, when you got a bunch of kids. Uh, an, another place, but it closes early, uh, is Hombre, hum, yeah, Hombre Cafe. Where's that? Uh, I'm uh, sorry, Hombre Market. Oh, yeah. Harambe. Harambe Har- Market. Yeah. Harambe Market over mm-hmm. there. Yeah. They have they have a bunch of food over there, but mm-hmm. the only thing is it does close at like three or four o'clock. Four, yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, which is too bad. John, you mentioned Harambe, and and that kind of goes along with one that I really like, which is um, if you're looking for something healthy, again, we're always like, I'm always craving fruit and vegetables because you don't get it a lot at the parks. And the little, there's like a little stand, um, I can't mm-hmm. even really describe, it's kind of outside of the safari. Right. Yes. Um, they do mm-hmm. roasted corn there, and they okay. dip it in like um, kind of curry seasonings after they mm. roast it. Super, super good. And then they have fresh fruit that's actually like really fresh and really refreshing and good. Um, so I tend to go there. Yeah. And then if I'm looking for something more hearty, especially on the race weekends, I love to get Satuli Canteen. And it's like, I cannot oh, believe it's taken us this long to talk about. Yeah, right. You're yeah. right, Greg. Yeah. I kind of forgot about it. You're right. That's a yeah, good one. Yeah, because you can get kind of like a whole food sort of like hearty meal that's like rice and beans with like whatever topping on, whatever protein you want on it. And then for some reason, they put those little 
um i don't know little like boba balls on (laughs) so it's fun too um so those are my picks for animal kingdom all right so that's our tour through the parks places to eat if you don't have a reservation often overlooked i think when folks are trying to think about places to eat are the many wonderful restaurants at the resorts now we're not going to go by every resort but let's let's mention a couple of our favorites where we think you can just pop in and grab something to eat whether it's quick service or a sit-down meal greg why don't you start the one now i i will fully be transparent here i have not had the full experience because i went here during covid so it was only takeout only um but i had a really really nice experience at geyser point at wilderness Mm. lodge okay um I had the bison cheeseburger that was absolutely mm. phenomenal. Sounds good. Um, and the thing is, is that it's all outdoor seating with these big comfy chairs where you can, you know, belly up to the bar or whatever. But the food is really, really good. It's almost kind of like, I would say, a hybrid between you're getting quick servicey type food mixed in with a outdoor sit-down atmosphere mm-hmm. and i love um, that and you know it's right by the the dvc pool over there it's just a really really nice setting so and I'm, I'm gonna try and get over there for springtime surprise but um th- that's definitely one and then the other one i'll mention is the uh the quick service over at animal kingdom lodge uh jumbo house the mara oh yeah they offer, you know, your standard, you know, fare sometimes, you know, chicken fingers and burgers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But they just re- did recently revamp their menu and they have these different types of African inspired bowls, whether it's with beef, chicken or shrimp, almost kind of like a satouli in a way, but mm-hmm. um, a little bit slightly different. So, you know, they, they really do go in on those African themes. Um, and yeah. I, I've always enjoyed it whenever I stayed there. Yeah, neat. Neat. All right, Ali, how about you? Well, I'm I'm not surprised that Greg had great places to eat, um, but I was surprised that you didn't mention any of them in the Polynesian because, again, we're both um, Polynesian brats and love it there. And so I think most of mine are there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to say after the races, um, usually like around like 930 or 10 o'clock, you can start to put in your orders for Kona Cafe. And so I love to go directly from the races to the Kona Cafe, pick up my breakfast, which is usually, um, gosh, what is that thing called? It's like the rice with the just egg on top of it. and The Loco Moco. The Loco Moco. Oh, that's a Hawaiian favorite, right? Yes. I get that. And then I go to Joffrey's Coffee and get my coffee and I sit on the beach and I just like mow my breakfast on the (laughs) Polynesian beach. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And if you want to, Chris Twiggs also made this recommendation. He said there's a plant-based breakfast at Captain Cook's that's huge. And it's like potatoes and eggs and like all of these like different things that you can, and it's gigantic. So if you're really hmm. hungry, you can get that. And yeah, and just go sit on the beach. That's that's one of the ones that I love. Um, you know, and there's a lot of places too at, at the Polynesian you can just go in. Like even Ohana, you can go to the bar and just go up to the bar and get a lot mm-hmm. of the things that are on the Ohana menu. Um, so I, I mean, those, those are kind of good ones. And then I like, um, the Cabana Bay beach resort right next to Sebastian's there's the banana cabana. Okay. Um, you and mean, right? 
Yeah. And it's nice. It's like outdoor, it's like covered outdoor seating. Um, the atmosphere is really cool. You can get some like good drinks and, and like, a, I don't know, kind of like healthy little options on, and sometimes like a burger too, if you want, <laughs> but they have Neat. some really good salads there and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. So something that we found out, uh, French quarter, uh, you can go mm-hmm. over there and just hang out and get beignets. Well, of course. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Almost required. Yes. And now, John, I have to come in and say, I was actually going to say the Port Orleans Riverside for my food choice because yeah. you have boat rights, which is the sit down yes. that quite often you can get into. Yes. But they have yes. an amazing food court right next door with a lot of the same items. So mm-hmm. you're going to be at Port Orleans French Quarter. I'm going to be over at Port Orleans Riverside. Yep. And my little trick that I do on race weekends, because I usually stay at Saratoga, is I pre-order my uh, breakfast on the bus while I'm coming back Oh yeah, from the race. And once I get off, the, get off the bus, walk right up to the thing, grab my package and walk right back to the room. Yeah. <laughs> That's, is that before or after you finish the cheese in the box post-race? <laughs> actually, the cheese in the box stays and it actually comes home with me usually. <laughs> Oh, Pam, you're on a roll. Port Orleans Riverside. Good call there. I, I like boat rights quite a bit. Uh, shrimp and grits. Excellent shrimp and grits mm. at, at uh, boat rights, Port Orleans. Uh, any other resort places you might be able to get in without a reservation? So I don't know about getting in, so this might be a cheating. But if you go <laughs> over to Animal Kingdom Lodge, uh, Sanaa, yeah, it's to a get great the place. bread service. Yeah. Oh, did Amen, you know sister. you could you <laughs> could walk up and get the bread service to go even if they can't seat you? Oh, didn't know that. Yes. And so uh it actually really comes in handy if you're staying there because then you could just do it almost like yeah. your room service. Go down, grab it, come on back, sit on the balcony and watch the animals while you eat your bread service. If friends, if you don't know about the bread service at Sanaa, you need to educate yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. First of all, that's a great restaurant. Sanaa is a, it's an upscale, excellent mm-hmm. Disney restaurant, but the bread service is legendary. Just one other thing about the resorts. If you're driving, uh, sometimes they will not let you in to get yeah. quick service menus. True. Yeah, I think you have to have the thing on your phone that shows, like, I'm ready to pick up. Even, okay. some of the, uh-huh. even on certain days, there's, like, uh, like I know uh, – Christmas week, Fourth of July oh, week, yeah, those busy even, weekends. They don't even let you with the quick service menu. Mm. They they want they don't want you parking there because you know what people yeah. do. I get it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, they they cheat and they use it to park for free and then go to the parks. Uh, and another, I tend to when I'm there stay at the moderate resorts, Coronado Springs. I like Rick's R I X Sports oh, Bar yeah. and Grill at Coronado what's Springs. That, what's that other one at Coronado that's um like Three Bridges or something yeah, like it's that? Yeah, that is it's Three Bridges. It's that one's like really good yeah. too. And you can get takeout from that place too if, yeah. it's, if it's overcrowded, but it's usually walk-in. Yeah, down. we've walked up there and been seated. And Rick's, we've walked up. Again, both of these places take reservations, but I've had luck at both of them. And they're pretty good. There are a bunch of others. Man, we could go on for resort, days, but, I'm sure. Let's let's head to the last place on our list and you know, the, the the tiny place. Yeah, probably this is <laughs> yeah Disney Springs. Golly, lots of places to eat at Disney Springs. But again, let's talk about places you're going to get a meal that you can 
get one without a reservation. And I'm, I'm going to start on this one. I'll start here because in my opinion, the best place to walk in without a reservation, I don't know about in the whole resort, but the bowling alley, Splitsville, oh, Splitsville. Splitsville has an excellent restaurant for a bowling alley. No, it's, it's excellent period. A uh, great menu. You know, what's really good. And this almost sounds crazy. Really good at the bowling alley is their sushi. <laughs> bowling alley sushi. It's not, it's not gas station sushi. It's bowling alley sushi, but in all seriousness, <laughs> it's really good. Uh, we've always had good luck walking in and getting a table in relatively short order. And once again, if you don't, they've got a large bar there where you can order off the dinner menu. So if you're without a reservation, that's my first place to look. Now, we, we all agreed on Flame Tree Barbecue at Animal Kingdom. Are we all in agreement about the Polite Pig as well? At Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yep. I was surprised to see, too, that they have a lot of um, vegan options on their menu. Yeah. <laughs> you can get, like, all their yeah. sides and on stuff On the sides, like that. yes, yes, ma'am. Yeah, and they're really the Brussels good. Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. I do not like Brussels sprouts, except <laughs> at the, the Polite Pig. pig. <laughs> they're really good, yeah. Absolutely. I thought we were going some kind of green egg and ham thing going on there. <laughs> Don't forget the cookie at the Polite Pig, by the way. They're not secrets anymore. It used to be, it was a secret menu item, was the Gideon cookie. Before there was a Gideon's, yeah. the Gideon's a cookie at Polite Pig. But now the cookies are right out there. They're still good. You could walk into Gideon's, right? <laughs> yeah. Gideon's are a meal, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you walk in right after an hour wait. Oh, it's long. Well, I don't know if it's longer than that or not. It used to be, golly, the first time we tried to get in the virtual queue, it was, <sighs> and I'm not making this up, seven hours. Worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we How about did. that? No. <laughs> we've waited a three-hour virtual queue, though. Yeah. We've gone, you've gone elsewhere in Disney Springs and come back. But I don't think, yeah, Gideon's is wonderful. I think we can all agree on that. Not a walk-up meal place, though, really. Um, others, and there's, there's a bunch more at Disney Springs. So I'm going to continue my trend of, uh, of not sitting down to eat. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the Earl of Sandwich. Yes. Oh, good yeah. One. Yes. Yeah. That's a favorite. Yeah. Of really good hot sandwiches. Yeah. Um, great price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course that is Earl of Sandwich is a chain. Uh, yes. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what other parts of the country it's in. There, golly, I think there's one over here, but I'm not even sure. But it is good. It is good, no doubt. Disney Springs, others. I'll give one quick service and one table service. Uh, the quick service for me is Deluxe Burger. Um, yeah, I like I've, that. I've really enjoyed it over there. It's been a couple of years since I went there, but when I did, I really, really enjoyed it. I think I'm the only one on the show tonight who actually has not been to Play Pig yet, but I do oh, really want to try it. Yeah, you so. need to. This uh, springtime surprise, Greg. I was going to say that this is generating ideas of where we're all going to go grab dinner. Yep, you, after and I, yep, you and I will go springtime Absolutely. surprise. I'm in. Mm-hmm. But then for my sit down, um, now, Grant, I will fully admit I have not been to the Disney Springs location. But I have been to the one in Washington D.C., and that's Haleo. Okay, um, I, I think it, again because it's a little bit more of an adventurous menu, more of a tapas mm-hmm, style menu. Um, I don't think not as many people go there, so I think your odds of being able to get a, a walk up are pretty high. Okay, but um, 
Chef Jose Andres is just an incredible human being for all the philanthropy that he does, but also he's a phenomenal chef as well, too. Um, and the food there is just really, really good, especially if you like paella. Uh, and when you order it, it takes 45 minutes, but it is absolutely superb. So I, I would definitely recommend Haleo. Oh, nice. I haven't been there yet. My quick service is um, going to also continue on my theme of liking things that are just like rice with like something on top of it. And mm-hmm. I'm going with um, yasake. Yes. Like the poke bowls. Yes. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's also like a really healthy thing to have like on a race weekend when you need like carbs and protein and all of that stuff. And then um, for the sit down, I've had good luck with um, Raglan Road walking up and just being able to walk in there and and Mm -hmm. i like their their food too and they they also surprisingly have a lot of vegan options on their menu too right yeah raglan road's good they've got a quick service right to the right of it it's what's oh they do well isn't it's a oh is it like a beer pub type of place like right where you can kind of like cooks of dublin yeah cooks Cooks of dublin right yes thank you right right and then also there's a lounge outside there i assume they serve meals out there i don't know yeah. Uh, but yeah, Raglan Road, good opportunity. Yasaki, I I thought that was going to be a secret one of mine, Allie. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's I yeah. don't think a lot of people know about it, but it's a good oh, one. I was surprised. After after the meet and greet at when was it, John? Was it Marathon Weekend or Princess Weekend? I, I must have been Marathon Weekend. Uh John and I were looking for a place to eat and we ended up just blowing that popsicle stand, and on the way out, I went by Yasaki, got a poke bowl, which I happened to really enjoy, and that was a great place. So, yeah, I will second that. And in the same line, I love Morimoto's. You mm. need a reservation at Morimoto's. Yeah. However, there's the Morimoto's street food right outside. That's a walk-up. That's counter service. And this is another place that you can get to the lounge typically and order off the menu at the lounge mm-hmm. and it's that's the same smart. full menu. Yeah. So that's, that's one of our favorites going for a sit down. I like the city works. Okay. That, uh, down there. Mm-hmm. We, actually, I think it was in the old Disney quest building. Uh, right. I think that's it's the right near it, John. Yeah. It's, it's right near it. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's down there near Soak Soleil and all that yeah. across the street from, uh, what do they serve it, there? I don't, I've never heard of that one. It's, it's basically a pub. So it yeah, has bar food. Bar food. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, and uh, then like my other go-to at Disney Springs, it's a quick service or what do you want to call it? I got to go to Giardelli's and get a Sunday. Okay. <laughs> can't, can't argue with that. Okay. So we could go through a whole nother side of this and just do our favorite desserts at different <laughs> like places. and Future and episode. The, yeah. So I hope we get Future to do that episode. at some point. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's wrap it up. I think that's really cool. Is there any place that you wanted to mention, and I don't care where it is now, that you didn't get a chance to mention? I have one because it's not in a park, it's not in a resort, and it's not at Disney Springs, but it's a place every single one of us go during the race weekend. Oh, yeah? It's at the Expo. It's the ESPN Grill. Okay. (laughs) And I know that's probably not something everybody thinks of, but since I end up living at the expo for days on oh, end, for sure. um, I usually eat there once a day and they have some amazing dishes. Their, their shrimp Alfredo 
Oh, really? Blew me away. Wow. And so it's, I mean, it's surprising how good some of the food is up there. So Golly. I highly recommend most people kind of run through there on the way out that expo building. Yeah. But they really yeah, have some Yeah, because we're always hungry stuff. and we're always trying to get food. <laughs> you're, going to, you're going someplace else to eat. They actually have really good food. And then right at the top of the stairs as you're leaving the expo, they usually have some specific race weekend kind of fun yeah. things. Mm-hmm. And um, those give those a look. A lot of times it's a smaller portion, um, but really, really delicious food. So, um, so give those a whirl. I usually try everything that they have every weekend. Um, and, and like I said, we're all there. Every single one of us That's has true. to walk past them at some point. Give them a try. Cool. Uh, any other honorable mentions? We didn't. The the only one I'm looking. I made a list of 10. The only one I didn't mention, the Regal Eagle Smokehouse at the American Pavilion in Epcot, which I like the food. It's a quick order, quick service. And come on, Sam Eagle runs the place. You got to go. <laughs> Get your Sam Eagle, Sam Eagle sipper cup. Any other honorable mentions that we didn't get to? I would say my last one would be, um, and I'll keep it in Epcot, Bob. Uh, the last couple of trips, I have really enjoyed Sunshine Seasons yeah. uh, in yes. the Land Pavilion. Good call. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, lots of different options there for, you know, whether you're an adventurous eater or or not. Um, you know, the I've gotten the Mongolian beef stir fry. It's very, mm-hmm. very good. But then they, you know, they have pizza, they have sandwiches. I know my daughter loves getting the uh, the salmon and mashed potatoes. Mm. Um, yeah. you know, so there's lots, plenty of options and a really nice dessert case as well, too. Yeah. And they have vegan options there, too. And like you said, you can grab like some of their desserts are pretty good on the way out. <laughs> that, that is a good place, Greg. I'm glad you mentioned that. All right, friends, I think I, I think we've made you hungry enough. <laughs> we've given you some ideas. Hey, if you got others, let us know about them. Uh, we're always looking for places to eat. If you haven't been able to tell just by listening to the last 20, 30 minutes of conversation, but uh, I hope that's helpful. You got no reservation. You're hungry. Try these places. Friends, let's take a look next week. Our friends, Leah and Josh will be with us. They're going to talk about the theme overcoming obstacles. We're getting very close to registering for marathon weekend. I know, I know your credit card is probably still melted from registering for wine and dine, but April 11th, general registration for marathon weekend. So we should be seeing themes for the weekend very soon. That'll be something to look forward to. All right, my friends. It's time for the race report. All right, let's start. We had one race on Thursday this week in Melbourne, Florida. The Florida Tech Homecoming 5K. Valerie ran that one. Valerie finished fifth in her age group. That's always outstanding. But more importantly for Valerie, she beat, and I quote, the kid. That's how she referred to her son. Her son, uh, threw out an excuse that he was busy retying his shoes all the time. But I'm telling you, I saw the pictures. Those shoes look tied pretty well to me. Way to go, Valerie. Let's move on to Saturday and stay in Florida. In fact, let's go to Central Florida, right around Walt Disney World, Winter Park, for the Winter Park Road Race 10K. 
And with us this evening on the Race Report Spotlight, our friend Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Welcome. Hi, how are you? We're great. And we're glad that you joined us. Thanks so much. We appreciate you sharing your time with us. And you know, we always have fun with these race report spotlights. It's really cool. It's really cool getting to know some of our Rise and Run friends. So, Nikki, let me start with the question I ask everybody. How did you get your start in running? Oh, goodness. So to think back, I started running when I was six or seven years old. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, school 5Ks. I got started in some school 5Ks. Okay. Yeah. And then I, I ran cross country throughout high school, um, uh-huh. kind of dabbled in it, some 5Ks over the years, um, did a few half marathons over the years. And then I got mm-hmm. out of running for a little bit and kind of started on a different journey with CrossFit. Then okay. I um, got hit by a car. Uh-oh. Um, broke my leg and then that's not a good thing no no but it got me back into running actually okay yeah so I was um the doctor told me I'd never be able to run again and Mm -hmm. I took that as a challenge there you go there you go I've heard I've heard many folks say that oh yeah it's kind of like oh yeah watch this (laughs) exactly my beard yeah yeah well we're glad you're back uh how'd you get started with Run Disney? So I did my first Run Disney run in 2012. Um, mm. Some friends of mine saw the Run Disney princess and we decided to give it a go. Mm-hmm. Which, which event did you run? The, the half or the 5K? Um, I did the half. Through the castle? Yep, through the castle. And ever since then, I've done 22 Run Disney events since. Cool. Yeah, through the castle, that'll get you hooked. That's, that's a biggie. <laughs> that's the that's best part. Biggie. It's a biggie. Well, let's talk about the Winter Park Road Race 10K. How was that this this past weekend? It was awesome. It was probably the best weather we could have imagined. Mm. Um, it was a two-mile run to start if you wanted to do the distance dare, and yeah. then a 10K yeah. after that. That's right. You did the you did the distance dare. Mm-hmm. So you ran both of those events, the two-miler, and then the 10K. How much time did you have in between? Yes. So you, the two miles starts at 7 a.m. and then the 10K starts at 7.30. So just depending on how how fast you run those two miles is how, yeah. how much time you have in between. Yeah. <laughs> That's not dogging it. Always, That's... No, which I always say, like, you know, you want to use that as a warm up, but you want to have time in between also. So <laughs> kind of got to dabble in between the two. <laughs> That's a yeah. fifteen-minute mile pace for the the first the two miles, right? Yeah. To, get, to get done by seven thirty. Assuming you get off across the start line, I don't know. I don't know how many people were in the two miler. Uh, I don't know how long it took were, you I all mean, to get started. Yeah, it was really quick. It wasn't like a okay. corral. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you started pretty uh, pretty quickly at seven o'clock. I got you. Well, still, I, I can picture, I can picture people just not stopping, just finishing that two yeah. miler and just continuing right on into the ten. Oh my. You're so right, because then you had to go up and find your next corral. Mm-hmm. So you didn't just like go right up to the start line. You had to kind of maneuver, find where your mile marker was and all that sort of stuff. So uh-huh. it ended up being, I think I did about nine and a half minute miles and I still felt mm-hmm. extremely rushed in between. Rushed. Yeah. I, I can, I can understand that for sure. Now this is a race series, isn't it? 
It is, yes. And this was the very last one of the series for this year. For this year. How many of them did you run? So I actually only did three of them. So I did half of them. That's, that's I, pretty good. Yeah. I. Um, it's kind of crazy because I've always been a big run Disney person. And I this year is when I really started dabbling into more local runs, uh-huh. um, which is it was kind of eye-opening because I'm so used to all the costumes and the tutus and the skirts. And the Mm -hmm. first one that I went to that was not run Disney, I was so out of my element. I had my tutu on and then I was trying to go up to the corrals and there was people like warming up with weights on their ankles and (laughs) lunges and running miles beforehand. What are you people doing? (laughs) I was so out of place. It was so funny. So this is my first, um, you know, my first time where I've really been dabbling into more of the local races. I said there's six races in this series. Uh, if you do all six, do you get something special or is it just just six races and that's it? Yeah. So you not only get an additional medal. So if you really love medals, you get another medal. But I believe you're some sort of VIP. I think it's called a fanatic. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. they got a whole bunch of different stuff like discounts on Track Shack their own like VIP area for before and after. Um, I believe they got their own bibs with their names on it. So they got a lot of good stuff if they were a part of the whole series. Yeah. We had at least three more folks from podcast family there. I'll I'll get to them in a minute. You and I get done talking. Uh, But I did see that about the VIP area. That's pretty cool. In fact, that's something I kind of wanted. Did you get a chance to meet any other rise and runners while you were there. I saw Margaret briefly, but other than that, I did not. For a tiny person, and Margaret's not very big, she's easy to see. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's easy to pick out. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, Margaret was there. Margaret was one of those VIPs, as a matter of fact. Um, very cool. Anything stick out about this race? Anything that made it particularly fun for you? Yeah, so I got a PR for my 10K. Yeah, I was really surprised. Um, I guess I've always run a lot of half marathons and not so many 10Ks, but I went in with a goal in mind, but starting off wasn't feeling very well, but I was still able to um, do seven hours. So I was very excited about that. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's a terrific goal, a 60-minute 10K, especially coming off a two-miler that you had to push through a little bit. I mean, you probably picked it up. Yeah. You picked up a little more, I guess, in the 10 K, but still that's fantastic. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So that's great. Have you ever been to winter park? I think I've been through it. I I need to go. I need to go to one of these. I need to brave the I four traffic, leave here like three in the morning one day, which isn't unusual for a Disney runner. And get over there and do one of these runs just to see my friends. Although it's the end of the series, so I guess I'll have to wait till next year <laughs> or well, later this house, year. The scenery and the houses, I the six miles went by so fast. The scenery was amazing. The houses mm-hmm. were fantastic. <laughs> they were so cool to look at. And there was like cobblestone neat. streets. Um, oh, neat. a beautiful lake that we ran around. So it was definitely a, a very scenic 10k route. Fantastic. Sounds sounds great, Nikki. Nikki, what's coming up for you? So I have springtime surprise coming up. Yay! Um, challenge. Yes, and then we'll see you in a couple nine. weeks. 
Yeah. You, you told me some other family is going to be there with you at springtime, right? Yes. So I got uh, my dad and my husband are both doing the 5K for the first time. Great. So and I'm then wine and dine? About them. Yep. And then my mom is joining me for the wine and dine. She's doing the 5K for her first time. Uh, Nikki, I think that's awesome. Congratulations for that. That's really cool. Thank you. Well, Nikki, that was great. I'm glad you had a good run. I'm glad you had fun. We're looking forward to seeing you. And it's, golly, it's only two weeks now. <laughs> That'll be great. But thanks for joining us on the Spotlight. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Nikki. Hey, we alluded to it, but there were other Rise and Run friends at the Winter Park Road Race 10K. Specifically, our buddy Margaret was there. Margaret, great to have you back on Facebook. Uh, I mentioned it during the time we were talking with Nikki. This is, she, as she told us, this is the last of the six races in the series. This is the third time that Margaret has run the series. So she did. She got to hang out in that VIP area we were talking about and got to cheer on the finishers. Margaret's got her photo with all of the medals from all the races. And of course, it's Margaret. She's in a peacock skirt. What else would we expect? Great job, Margaret. Uh, Jared was there. Jared did the distance there, the two-miler and the 10K. This is Jared's fifth year with this series, so Jared's done it quite a bit. He said he tried to take the two-miler easy, but went out a little quicker than he expected. Still did fine in the 10K. Did a great job. We will see Jared also at springtime surprise. And finally, our buddy Michael was there. Michael did the distance there as well, the 2K, two-miler and the 10K. In Birmingham, Alabama, the Rump Shaker 5K. Great name for a run. Laurie did that one. Pushed hard, had a great one. Great run. Finished in the top half of her age group, but she didn't say that it was a PR. I'm not sure. I think it probably was. Hit the bell. What do we got to lose? At Fort Bragg, North Carolina, the All-American Half Marathon. Mary Beth ran that one. All-American, the 82nd Airborne Division. The All-American Division is stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Hence the All-American Half Marathon. In Manchester, Missouri, the Rainbow Run 5K. Katie and Isaiah did that one. Isaiah is Katie's son. This was Mario Kart themed with interactive character stations. The favorite part of the interactive character stations, Katie says, was getting pelted with crepe paper fireballs at the Bowser station. Now that's pretty interactive. If somebody's throwing crepe paper fireballs at you, pretty cool. Was there power-ups on the course too? I don't know. I bet there were. I'll bet there were. It sounds like it was a lot of fun. Just got to watch out for those banana peels. Yeah. (laughs) Katie finished third overall female. Pretty daggum good. But Isaiah was first overall male under 12. Way to go, Isaiah. Nicely done. Great race for both Katie and Isaiah in Manchester, Missouri. In Prince William County, Virginia, the Marine Corps, 17.75 K. Emily ran that one. That is the only 17.75 K I'm aware of. 
there may be others. And I don't know if it's a PR because Emily may have run it before. So, Do we have any idea what the significance of that distance might be? I is don't. It, is that the... Uh, if it was 17.76, I would that, get that. Yeah, that I would understand, yeah. Yeah. And I would have to look it up to tell you when the Marine Corps was founded. Do you know where the Marine Corps was founded, Greg? Philadelphia? In a tavern in Philadelphia. Yeah. The tavern's no longer there, and I can't remember the name of it. I think there's a plaque. Okay. On November 10th, 1775. There you go. All right. There you go. So that would that would make a lot of sense. Yep. Only uh, only branch of the service founded in a bar. That's something to be proud of, I think. A hua to all the Marines out there. And appropriate for the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> in Claremont, Florida, the Lake Mineola Half Marathon. Jason ran that. Jason said his first race was there eight years ago. He did 12K when he did it eight years ago. This one gave him a little post-dopey motivation, which is cool. Have this half marathon to give you a little motivation after dopey. A little tough, but he finished. He did the uh, what I call the run-walk-run leapfrog with our friend Esther, who was also there. Uh, Laura was there. Laura finished the 5K. And Kendra was there. This was Kendra's first non-run Disney event since moving to Florida Florida about a year ago. A little hillier than her training miles, but still she pulled off an 11-minute PR. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. That's cool. 11 minutes and a half. That's not quite a minute per mile, but that's pretty daggum good. In West Palm Beach, Florida, the Hungryland 20-mile trail run. Our good friend Bonnie finished that one. And, and this is an interesting story now. In the Outer Banks of North Carolina, they have a 100K run. It's a point-to-point run, the Blackbeard's Revenge 100K. Our friend Jason didn't run it. So why am I talking about him? Well, I think this is a pretty good story. Jason was going to run a half marathon. Then Friday morning, he gets a call from a friend who says, hey, the person who was going to crew me for my 100K broke, and I don't know if it was his or her arm, and can't do it. Can you help? Jason hops on an airplane. He and his wife hop on an airplane. They arrive at 2 a.m. for a race that starts in 10 a.m. at 10 a.m. Jason's wife ends up crewing and Jason paces, ends up uh, pacing for 40 miles. In essence, his first ultra run. Wow. That's friendship, buddy. Way to go. Way to go. Really cool. And no, no medals, no, no bells and whistles, but a lot of pride. And I think that's great. Well done. Let's move up to Essex, Connecticut the steam train half marathon. Rachel ran that one said the rain, sleet and snow held off. It was a hilly course. She finished fourth in her age group, uh, sub two hour half really good run fourth in the age group. <laughs> I've done fourth in the, that's a terrible place to finish because typically there's some kind of an award for the first three in the age group. She finished fourth, uh, great photos on Facebook. There was a steam train there at the event as there should have been really great looking metal. And they got this neat uh, train whistle. It's a big, it looks like a three by three block of wood and it's engraved. 
uh, looks really neat. So that was part of that race. In, in Niagara Falls, New York, our friend Amy ran the Grassroots Gardens 15K. Cold, wet, and windy. Hard to imagine it being cold, wet, and windy in March in Niagara Falls, New York. No, it's not. Uh, great scenic trip to the brink of the American Falls. Amy's first 15K. First 15K? PR. <laughs> Way to go, Amy. In Gloucester, Virginia, the Gloucester County Educational Foundation's 3K, 8K walk slash run. <sighs> that was a tough one. Uh, Liz and Sarah ran that one. In Temple Terrace, Florida, not far from here, the Driscoll's Strawberry 10K. It's strawberry season in Florida. We just had the Strawberry Festival over in uh over there about halfway to disney the, the strawberry festival occurs it's a big deal but the this driscoll strawberry run andrea ran that one said it was humid it was humid on saturday great event benefits to communities got strawberries at the end of course uh mary ran it also mary ran the 15k challenge did the 10k first it had a it had a time limit and then you do the 5k kind of like that double dare that they did over in central florida this one's a bit closer to tampa so mary did those two runs uh not quite a race weekend but but i want to talk about this one anyway our friend leah who's going to be with us next week did the dry try triathlon this is an orange theory fitness event i'm proud of leah for finishing this challenge she says she's dedicating this post and this effort to her paralympic para-athletic community cancer survivors and oh i'm going to butcher this one leah foraminal stenosis warriors leah we're proud of you. you can tell us more about that when we talk to you next week good job in the Netherlands, our friend Laura ran a park run 5K. Interesting story here. This is the Galloway experience in a nutshell. Not a lot of Galloway runners on mainland Europe. It's fairly popular in England. They call it Jeffing, but not so much on the continent. So the other Dutch runners... Laura was yo-yoing with them, as you'll do if you're a Galloway runner. You'll, you'll pull ahead, and then people catch up. You pull ahead more. And typically what happens is you pull away towards the end. And then the people you pulled away from, a lot of times will tell you that you don't know what you're doing because you're walking while you run. And apparently in the Netherlands, it happens a lot. So, so Laura put up with that. And she did exactly that. She smoked these folks in the second half. Laura said... It rained in the second half, which made her feel like a, and I'm quoting now, bad. I know Laura. That word doesn't fit with Laura. <laughs> but Laura, if it made you feel that way, we're proud of you. Way to go. She, she's really getting into this run, walk, run stuff. And she finished her 5K in under 30 minutes, which she didn't think was possible with run, walk, run. So it does work. That wraps up Saturday. Let's take a look at Sunday. The Arlington, Texas Half Marathon and 5K, Natalia did 
the 5K. In Irvine, California, the PCRF, Pediatric Cancer Research Fund, reaching for the fewer, reaching for the cure 5K. Long name, I got through most of it. I want credit for that. Our buddy Ruth did that one. Ruth's team raised $17,000. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I don't have the details. It, it, wow. But yeah. That's what she posted for us. That's, that's really cool. It's big really numbers. Cool. Yeah. That's a big number. Uh, hey, Ruth finished second in her age group in this 5K. Way to go, Ruth. Nice job. At the Run Fest at Lee Valley Whitewater Center in England, our friend Amy was there, said uh, this one was tough. It was raining and cold, which was tough on her arthritis. Apparently, Amy has some arthritis. Said she was running through the thick mud and ankle deep water, which had her cursing the majority of the time. I have the same reaction to that post that I did the Laura's post earlier. I don't see Amy cursing all the time, but she said she did. So I'm just going to take her word for it. Amy, good job. Uh, Nice photo with the finisher's medal. Looked great. Good job on that one. In Salem, Massachusetts, the Black Cat 10 miler, Rachel ran that one. A couple weeks ago, Rachel posted a photo of a brand new metal rack she had purchased and put up on her wall. This was the first medal for her new metal rack. Uh, said she found and ran for a while with some other Galloway runners. That's cool. Finished and felt great. Jeff would be proud of you. Finish upright with a smile on, smile on your face. Ready to do it again. In Hatfield, Massachusetts, the first race of the Spring Impact Series was the Black Birch Vineyard 10-miler. Somebody named Jen ran that one, Allie. I don't know who she is. She I've never met. I've never met anyone named Jen in my life. Disavow any knowledge, anyway. Scenic out and back course with a few hills. Weather was nice. Weather was nice. Uh, New England springtime weather. Cool metal. The metal was actually a bottle stopper for the top of a, a bottle of wine. Pretty neat. Good job, Jen. In Severna Park, Maryland, the BNA Trail Half Marathon. Our friend Heather was in the push rim division. Push rim on a trail run's got to be tough. Beautiful day, a few more hills than expected. Also tough in the push rim division. This one started at Heather's old high school, which apparently had been completely rebuilt. So she got a chance to see that. And finally, on this week's race report in Ashburn, Virginia, Sharon ran the spring classic 10k said this one was very windy and 50 degrees i think at one time the wind blew her visor either off or almost pushed it off her head she was also doing the galloway yo-yo as i call it with some folks and then smoked them at the end she knocked this 10k out in 51 minutes that's a great time for a 10k not a lifetime pr but a decade pr and i say that counts I reset mine every couple of years too, because I'm not going to run as fast as I did was in my, in my thirties, no matter what I do. Great job, Sharon. Friends. And if you run, you know, you are our friend. I say that every week. It's because I mean it. It's true. It's so wonderful being part of this community, this family. You are our friends. I want to remind you, if you're going to be at springtime surprise, 
look for us before the races, left side of the bleachers. If you get a chance, and I realize that not everybody can make it, spend the money to get to Disney World, you want to be in the parks. I understand that. But if you have an opportunity, head on over to Disney Springs Saturday afternoon. We'll be over there by the food trucks around three o'clock. Hey, this is a Zoom Thursday. So when you get done listening to the podcast, head on over to the Facebook group, look for the link to the Zoom, and we'll see you at eight o'clock Thursday night. Uh, Last one before springtime surprise, because the next one will occur the week of springtime surprise, and we'll push that off another week. All right, friends, that wraps it up. We're looking forward to seeing you real soon. Until then, we hope your training continues to go well. Happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.